Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linway. For today's episode, I chatted with artist Tim Roby, a painter, sculptor, installation artist, and among other things, he loves hockey and 2x4s, so please stay tuned. Welcome to the future, as Tim likes to talk about it. I'm here with Tim Roby. It's a wonderful Wednesday night at 9.30. How are you doing, Tim? I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm okay. Even, even though you push these, these times back, I guess you're just a, a busy, busy dude. Um, yeah, I got, I got things to do and people to see. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, but, um, you know, obviously uh, we, we kind of go back a long ways, you and I, Tim Roby. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting because I, I realized just in kind of doing a little bit of prep for this that, that there's a lot of things that I, I don't know about Tim Roby. <laughs> so for so for for starters, when I when I ask you what, what your what your childhood was like and where you're from and all that, I'm really curious uh, if you wound up playing a lot of baseball when you were younger. But uh, could you talk a little bit about where you're from and sure some about something about little Tim. Northwest suburbs of Chicago in a town called Lake in the Hills. And um, it started out as a small town and it grew and it got ridiculous. And now it's just another one of the far northwestern suburbs. Um, my childhood, yeah, since you asked, I, I played some baseball. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm not very athletic. <laughs> I, I like to think I am, but, um, so I played some baseball, but mostly I sat on the bench, um, played pond hockey in the winter, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. No, I know. You know, it occurs to me like I'm supposed to be, um. I don't know when I when I when I put it put it to you like tell me about your childhood. It kind of makes me feel like I'm a, um, a you know psychologist or something for a second. Sure. And obviously, I have no qualifications to give anybody real really a lot of a lot of good advice about that kind of thing. But um, so were were the arts something that kind of uh, started at an early age, or were you? Kind of more into the sports thing for a while, or just kind of regular kid uh, playing playing I, balls in the backyard. I would imagine would be something Tim Roby did for some reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I was just a normal kid, uh, good childhood, um, not particularly artistic. I like sports. Um, you know, I I remember you know drawing pictures of tanks and stuff like that when I was younger. I had some friends that were really good at drawing, and I always tried to be as good as they were, but uh, never quite was. But, yeah, drawing was fun, but, uh, you know, and I took all the art classes I could in, in high school and, and all that. And, uh, um, yeah, going into college, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and um, I went to Illinois State, and... I remember that there was uh, this new program they were starting where a group of like 10 or 12 students would take, you know, the same sort of foundations art classes, and I thought that that would probably be a good idea and, uh, you know, at least get me into college and stuff, and um, if I didn't like art after that, I, I could do something else, but um, I ended up really liking it, and I just took one class after another and next thing I knew I was uh, you know taking more pain classes and uh, somehow I ended up to where I am today jeez it's amazing you know it's amazing because I realized then that we've glossed over your life in four minutes yeah well, <laughs> oh, we're done yeah, um, it's done I'm well, all over but I mean did you know I mean did you know right away that you wanted to do art when you started college or did it take a couple of classes you know I mean no um, you know I really had no idea what I wanted to do I I knew I liked taking my high school art classes um, I was okay at them I don't know if I was great but uh, 
you know, I think, I think for me, the thing about art is, you know, uh, probably everything I, I say can be taken out of context, but, um, for me, you don't have to necessarily be great at art. You, you know, you just have to be willing to work and, um, try things and, you know, um, well, cause like I was saying, you know, I knew, I knew some people that were really good at drawing and stuff and, you know, even, even people today with, uh, the way the world works, there's a lot of graphic designers and people that are great at computer graphics and stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're good artists or, or have great, uh, visual ideas. Sure. True. Well, and you know, anybody that's obviously going to see your, your slide gallery or, you know, it's familiar with what you do anyway. It's kind of as an idea, you know, of how you work now. But I am kind of curious then because I, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was any, in any of those foundation classes. I mean, um, do you, I don't know, did you, did you ever really kind of work from, from representation? Obviously, you know, some of those foundation yeah. classes go. But, I mean, um, what was that, I guess, what was that transition that you kind of slowly moved away from that? I know it's hilarious. I have a, I have a, I have a night class that is just full of like comic book people, sure. which, which you get all the time. And, you know, something that I used to, you know, love, love drawing ripped superheroes. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. The kids these days, they love the, the, uh, the comic books and really, Oh yeah. Gosh, yeah, I when I was teaching dead. the drawing classes, uh, yeah, most of the people said that, you know, they were in the drawing class because it was their fun class and, you know, their break and they wanted to learn how to do anime and comic books and stuff, huh. which makes you feel good as a teacher doing, you know. Sure, sure. So, um, so anyway, my yeah. Uh, no, I think I started, like a lot of people, and, and again, you know, from teaching those classes, um, I remember back to... I think, you know, when I graduated from high school, I thought that the best painters were, like, Monet and stuff, and, um, you know, I think it's pretty common that, uh, you know, you start out looking at the more representational and traditional sort of painters and and sculptors and stuff, and uh, um, for most of the people I know, you know, you, you start to learn art history, and then one thing leads to another and you're making stuff out of garbage and, and all that. But, um, no, to be serious though, um, you know, I, I, I remember wanting to be, uh, a figurative painter maybe, even mm -hmm. though I didn't do that many figurative paintings. Um, but then, um, I had a weird connection to Philip Gustin. Um, before I even knew who he was, people would, uh, you know, say that I, I had, you know, the lines that I was using were, were, uh, uh, sort of representative of, of him. And, uh, you know, I started looking at him and people like Motherwell and, um, you know, all those people. And, uh, the more I learned, the more I liked. And, uh, I guess in some sense, I don't think I ever tried to directly emulate them, but, uh, you know, that, that was sort of the path I was looking at. And, um, I, I guess, I guess one thing too is, um, you know, someone, a, a painter like Peter Holley has mentioned that, you know, the, the, uh, I don't remember exactly what his quote was, but, you know, he does a, uh, a lot of things based on, on charts and graphs because he thinks that that's, um, you know, sort of what the, the modern contemporary world, uh, you know, business world and stuff is based on. It's not based on figures and, and uh, you know, figurative people. And that the figures are uh, sort of a, a thing of the past. And um, so, you know, I, I remember I wanted to make real political art. And uh, eventually I started realizing that, to make political art in the art world was sort of repetitive and redundant because, you know, it's sort of preaching to the choir to, to some extent. And, uh, I guess I got bored with it pretty quick and, um, uh, went on to, um, uh, more abstract things in general. But I mean, and obviously just cause, you know, um, having gone through that art, um, 
In terms of painting classes and stuff like that, I mean, was there like any, I don't know, was there like a real, I don't know why I imagine like some kind of moment where you were just like, I don't know, you went from like this to this, you know what I mean? Um, and, and I guess, and I guess maybe even to kind of ask you about that, I mean, you know, in terms of like starting off some of your later undergraduate paintings, I mean, where, where did you, what was the process like? Did you want to, like working out compositions in your sketchbook? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I think what really led me on the path is, um, uh, I was taking a class with LJ Douglas, and we did, we had to make five paintings in, I think, like, two weeks or something, and, um, you know, her point was not to belabor a painting and, you know, just to work out ideas quickly, and at first we were all just totally blown away, and, you know, how, how are we going to do five paintings in two weeks or whatever it is? And, um, you know, I, I think before that, I, uh, like I said, I was looking at, you know, Motherwell and, and Klein and stuff like that. And um, uh, I was, I remember looking a lot of National Geographic uh, magazines and especially looking at, you know, some... Uh, ethnographic landscapes and pictographs and stuff like that and was really taken by those and I think I was doing some sketches and and, and stuff like that in, in my sketchbook and I remember there was one point that I had this this drawing that I taped together with like four pieces of paper and I was totally nervous about it. I, I, I remember kind of liking it but I, you know, it was like the, the first real purely abstract thing that, that I had done and um uh, Bob Jones was in my class and I didn't really know him and um, he was like oh what are you working on and I showed him and uh, I was kind of embarrassed and trying to defend it a little bit and he's like oh no that, that that's great and uh, so in a sense that was my introduction to Bob Jones and abstract art so uh, uh, I think there was a tangent in there somewhere but anyway <laughs> so I started making those paintings and yeah they were they were largely based on uh you know, some of those National Geographic ideas that I was going through and uh, um, a lot of a lot of earthy tones and line and, uh, again, relating a lot to, to cave drawings and pictographs and stuff. And from there, um, I think I just kept exploring those ideas more and more and um, eventually started getting into the, the very early early body of work that I, that led into what I'm doing now, I guess. Well, and again, barring any other technical difficulties with my, my brain, hopefully this will go and continue to stay smooth. But, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about this too, cause I, I know that we're probably going to start transitioning into the, the work that you went on in terms of making, uh, in graduate school and, and some of the post undergraduate life stuff. But, um, I know that, um, you and, you and my, myself, along with some other people, um, did a, uh, a summer school artist residency at Chautauqua, and I was just curious if you, uh, I don't know, could talk a little bit about those experiences and if it was something that, I don't know, still impacts you today. Yeah, you know, um, I think it was definitely important. Um, I don't know if it's just that I have a bad memory or, or what my deal is, but I don't think there's ever, like... I know a lot of people talk about like you know these certain conversations or or the, like this one point where where things change and stuff and you know I, I definitely remember conversations and stuff but um, you know I don't have like those huge transitional moments or anything I think throughout my art career um, but yeah Chautauqua was great um, I think I think it was. In, important mostly because I was able to, how long were we there? It was like eight weeks. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah, for eight weeks, uh, pretty much doing nothing but um, eating horrible food and painting. And uh, It know, wasn't all out. horrible food, though. What? I think you had a, a, a restaurant called Sadie J's that you were infatuated with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that costs money. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off because it's too oh, easy to reminisce, but... Um, uh, yeah, so it's just, you know, 
working through ideas quickly and, um, you know, being around artists who were, you know, doing nothing but painting for eight weeks straight um, and having, um, for those people that aren't familiar with it, there's uh, professors that, that come in for... Some are there for a week, some are there for the whole eight weeks and, you know, everywhere in between. But um, meeting those different people and, um, you know, learning different styles of, of teaching and communicating outside of what I had known that far um, at, at ISU was, was a really great experience and everything. And, um, you know, it was uh, kind of the beginning of, in a sense, what what uh, what the art world is kind of like I, that doesn't make any sense you know it's uh, you're always meeting new people and explaining what you're doing and and uh, you know trying to find out what other people are doing and where they're coming from you know all, all in terms of art and I guess personally too I don't know sure but, um, well no and I think what you're saying is making sense too because I don't you know what I mean like I and I guess I do have that little loaded question because I do like to find out you know if there is something that I don't know, make somebody choose to be an, you know, to be an artist, you know, some kind of experience like that. It's hard to distill it down, but I think, you know, just in general for me, for that place, the thing that was so interesting about it is that, you know, I just had a, I just had a much better sense of my, myself afterwards, sure. you know, stepping out of that environment where you're very familiar with everything, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, definitely. And, and just getting out of that environment, you know, I, I remember being really paranoid about, um, not going to like some uh, crazy named school or something. Yeah. And just being like, whoa, these people are from like some crazy places. And, you know, um, props to Illinois State University because I was just like, damn, they're they're pretty harsh with us. Or they're, you know what I mean? They, they make yeah, us aware yeah, of these things. School. So, and I should, I should reiterate, not harsh, but I mean, you know, just, just they, they really make undergraduates prepared, you know, so. Definitely. Um, I can I can understand what you're saying. So, um, you know, obviously, like in terms of all that, you know, um, your your work obviously culminated into a, a, a nice show. And I can't remember, like, in terms of scale, to what what size were those pieces that you were doing when you when you left ISU? Uh, when I left ISU, I was I was doing some. I guess you consider them fairly big paintings. They were all. Um, you know, there's some that were probably about, uh, you know, four by four, four by five feet. There was a couple that were like four foot tall by uh, maybe eight feet. Um, and then I had a, a couple bigger drawings too. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a decent size scale. It wasn't anything huge. Um, uh, yeah, before that, I, I'd done this this huge series of 12-inch by 12-inch paintings, and, you know, they were slowly growing, and, uh, um, yeah, by the end of undergrad, they were, uh, I guess, quite big. Well, in comparison, for sure. Um, and so you, you want to move into, what, Chicago? Something yeah, after, after, after I graduated from ISU, I... Uh, I moved, well, I, I basically moved to Chicago. I, I moved home briefly, and then uh, I moved to Chicago. Uh, towards the end of undergrad, I started working as a picture framer, and uh, uh, when I moved to Chicago, I was working at a, a, a small frame shop in the south of Chicago. Um, I had a very small 10 by 10 studio where I'd pin canvas up to the wall and paint it, and then uh, when I showed them, I'd, I'd actually stretch them on stretcher bars. And then from there, um, I lived there, it was about two or three years. And then for a lot of reasons, I, I felt pretty stagnant, both uh, living in Chicago and, and in my work and stuff. So um, for many reasons, I decided to apply for some grad schools and um, got into a few. And I ended up picking the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. And I started there in 2005. Um, and one of the big criteria for me is I wanted to get out of Chicago. 
Um, you know, even though I loved it there and, you know, my friends and family were there, I felt like I needed to get out of there, um, for a little bit, uh, to, to focus on my work and stuff. And then, uh, um, I thought I would come back right away after grad school, but, uh, yeah, University of Minnesota is, is also a very good place. Um, a lot of great professors, a lot of, a lot of great students, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I came in strictly as a painter, and then, um, you know, somehow I, well, I could tell you the story of how I slowly transitioned to three-dimensional objects, but by the end, my thesis show was, was paintings and uh, a few three-dimensional objects. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, too, because, I mean, you know, I, I know that, you know, just from my own personal experience and just talking to other people that, you know, gone through graduate school, I mean, what were, what was your, what, what were those, uh, those things that they told you to throw away that they told you that they loved to get you to come there? Um, or I should say, what, you know, what, what were those things that they would challenge you on, I guess, in, in, initially, you know, to kind of like justify it so that you could figure it out, you know, for yourself and, and that? Yeah, you know, um. Uh, I didn't feel like I had any really harsh critics or anyone that, that came in my studio and was like, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I, for the most part, I had the feeling that, that everyone, and I don't mean this to sound as cheery as it sounds, but everyone kind of liked what I was doing, um, but it could be pushed further, and maybe it was a, a little safe or reserved. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I don't have any, uh, great exact moments of when things happen, but, um, so getting into sort of the, the basics of my work is, is what I was doing in grad school coming in is, well, I guess, first of all, um, uh, my work leaving ISU, um, there, there's been, I guess, in one sense, a slow progression or transition. In another sense, you know, if you if you look to what I was doing then, or even a couple of years ago, I think there, you know, there's similarities and there's there's themes, or you know, things that tie it together. But there is a big change. So um, at ISU, I, uh, you know, I had these these symbols or these objects that were sort of free floating all around. When I moved to Chicago, everything got a lot more grounded, and uh, I think it was definitely, you know, the, the weight of the city. Um, so I was, I, I think, almost from the moment I got there, I was was way more concerned with landscape than anything else I was before. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I kept thinking about landscape and, you know, my, my place in the world and stuff like that. Um, so going into grad school... Uh, those are the sort of paintings I was making, and um, what I would do is uh, I rode my bike a lot, so I'd go out and ride my bike, and I'd, I'd uh, pick up these peripheral images, um, you know, the stuff that I felt like was just on the side of the road or, or the stuff that was easily ignored, and I'd bring those back through memory, um, and i do these, these heavy-handed sketches, mostly in uh, ink and brush, um, a little white acrylic paint. And then, um, you know, so I'd have these, these drawings, and then from there they would turn into paintings for the most part, or, or you know, the ones that I, I thought would work better as, as paintings turned into paintings. So somewhere in grad school I started wondering, um, you know, what would happen if I turned those back into three-dimensional objects? And that that was sort of the beginning of... of where I'm going now, and I, I think maybe a, a couple of the other things that added to that were, I was pretty interested in um, signs and symbols, and um, you know, noticing signs everywhere, and especially, like I said, where I where I grew up. Every time I'd come home on breaks or for holidays and stuff, uh, uh, it used to be surrounded by by cornfields and and everything. And every time I'd come home, there'd be a, a new for sale sign, you know, just these rickety uh, posts 
signs, um, made out of two by fours and stuff. And so I made a couple of those and I put them out in the landscape and stuff. And I, um, you know, I was interested in, um, what kind of information people were, were getting from these paintings and what would happen if they were in the landscape. Um, not intentionally giving people false direction, but just, um, you know, there's a lot of things that went into it, whether it's, uh, you know, just, just more information or um, whether people would stop and look at them. And, you know, you could probably talk for a long time about that sort of thing. But, but yeah, that was sort of the basis of where I was coming from. In, in terms, like, specifically of, like, subjects, I mean, because um, obviously there's a, there's a certain level to which you're kind of, like, hiding, I guess, like, yeah. a direct reference. I mean, um, I guess without giving away your, your trade secrets, um, I don't know, are there things that you kind of gravitate towards that, that, that you kind of know it when you see it? Because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, there's certain... I don't know, formal things that I just sure. naturally see that I'm just like, whoa, that would make a good piece or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there definitely are. I mean, I I don't intentionally go out seeking strange things and making paintings out of those. Um, and I, I struggled for a while with, you know, I'd make these paintings and everyone would ask, oh, you know, what is that and, and stuff. And I would never really want to tell people. And I, I, I was really conflicted about it because... I felt like if I told people exactly what it was, then then that's where that person's mind would go when they'd see it. And, and for me, the paintings were, um, you know, they're they're based in landscape, but they were a lot about memory and perception and stuff. And um, you know, I felt like if I tell you the source right away, then it's, it loses some of the reason that I'm making the paintings. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't necessarily want to be deceiving people or anything, but, um, you know, I, I felt like that would, uh, you know, that's more interesting to me. Um, as far as the things I, I gravitate towards, um, you know, lately, and I, I guess in general, um, I'm interested in the things that are meant to sort of be hidden. Um, I really like the the outside parts of construction sites, you know, like the the temporary plywood fences that that they put up to to hide the construction on the inside, and um, piles of garbage, uh, shadows. Um, so, so a lot of visual things. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely visual things. Um, um, juxtapositions of like mailboxes and water towers and stuff, you know, like I said, nothing super fancy. Um, uh, nothing that's, you know, obviously as, as an artist, I guess, uh, or a visual person, I gravitate towards the things that are, are more visually interesting. And I guess I could be guilty myself of, of passing by the peripheral things that I'm uh, talking about that, that everyone passes by, but um, I don't know. I guess I guess that's uh, that's all you can tell us. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, no, I think I think it's interesting, you know, because I mean, you know, and it's funny because I mean, when I really stop to think about it, I mean, I think the last time that I actually asked you about that was in 2001 at Chautauqua. Which is kind of crazy, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, and and I, you know, and especially it's it's curious too because you know I mean I realize that um, you know I mean if you if you are working in that in in, a, in an abstract way and obviously like right now I'm I'm that's something that I moved actually kind of away from that I'm coming back towards, <laughs> which is I don't know kind of a weird cyclical kind of thing that kind of happens, um, but. Um, I don't know, I was going to say, there's, in terms of relating it to what you're talking about, um, you know, I like that, that ability to ha kind of have it be open, you know what I mean, in, in terms of interpreting it, and also, you know, you, you kind of imbue something that doesn't, doesn't maybe have a lot of inherent meaning in and of itself, but just through that process of what you're doing kind of, you know, puts it in that new, I don't know, 
I think you used to you used to have a word for it, like an icon machine or something like that. So that's, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And I think before you know, it's uh, I've, I've tried to remember exactly where I was and, and stuff, and uh, the why exactly I, I was making some of the choices I was making in the paintings and in ISU, and uh, yeah, it was definitely. You know, I, I think the thing that's continued all the way through is is the idea of, of icons or uh, symbols and and uh, you know juxtapositions of, of color and shape and, and line and you know all the the basic basic uh, formal elements and stuff. But um, I totally lost track of what I was saying. <laughs> um. You were you were just rambling, which is fine. Yeah, I, I was just rambling before that. Um, so, in terms of like the the some of the some of the three work, I know that like some of the more recent work, um, you've got you know things that are that are incorporating a lot of other materials in that. But um, in terms of where, where were you working in in terms of the the first kind of real three D pieces, where they um, you know mostly kind of like a combination of materials. Um, and, and kind of ceramic, or uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I I have no idea to be honest. I, I for some reason I always when I when I've seen these pieces, I've always happened to see them online, and for yeah, some reason yeah. I just imagine them being like heavy <laughs> or something yeah, like that, you know. You know? But uh, yeah, you, you you remind me of a lot of things I, I forgot about. Sort of um, yeah, some of the first three dimensional things that I I really made, um, you know, in you know, talking about some of the, my current interests are, uh, yeah, at Chautauqua, I started making a few three-dimensional objects based on uh, things from the paintings. Um, and then right after that, I had a ceramics class that I had, you know, to finish up my degree that I uh, also made a, a couple three-dimensional objects. But um, yeah, I guess I, I put those on the side for a while, uh, when I lived in Chicago, it was strictly painting, and then up until about the yeah, the, uh, the last year of, of grad school, um, I was doing nothing but painting. And uh, uh, the first three-dimensional objects I made in, in grad school were, uh, and it's still a similar process uh, to what I use today, is uh, I use this... Uh, thick foam insulation, the rigid foam insulation. Uh, in Illinois, it's mostly pink. Um, when I lived in New York, I could only find, I, I think it was, it was either blue or green. But, um, yeah, so I, it, it basically comes from theater set design. Somebody I went to grad school with showed me how to do this. But, yeah, it's just gluing a bunch of these planks together, carving them, and then... Uh, I, uh, I was referred to this material called foam coat, which is also used in theater. That it's kind of a, a plaster-like substance that uh, you can, um, you know, I guess it's a cross between like plaster and, and drywall mud. Where you, you can uh, put it on the sculptures and sand it, and right, right, carve it a little bit and stuff, and, and paint it however you want, so you can get rough texture or a really smooth texture and. Um, yeah, the first the first ones I did were were, were pretty smooth, and um, uh, yeah. Since then, I've I've expanded a little bit, and I've used different materials and stuff. And um, um, has there has there been any specific, I guess, challenges in terms of just kind of working that, that you know, um, you know, obviously the so if anybody you know as they're checking out your work and kind of see the you know, the similarities between the, the 2D works and the 3D works, but, I mean, were there any, I don't know, did, I, I always find that just even kind of working something that you don't even feel is like what you do to be kind of something that is pretty liberating and kind of, I don't know, loosens me up anyways when I'm when I'm not doing something that I'm as invested in at first. But, I mean, what, what was that transition like? I mean... Yeah, um, um, it, was, it was pretty exciting, definitely, at first. It was, I mean, it still is exciting, but... Um, you know, when you, when you get towards the middle of grad school and, um, you know, I didn't, uh, of course there was, 
you know, like a lot of people, grad school was tough, and I didn't mean to make it sound as as, as cheery, and I don't mean to sound as negative as it, <laughs> trying to make it sound now, but, you know, grad school is tough, and, uh, you know, you're really questioning everything that you're doing, and why you're making paintings, and, and all this sort of stuff, and um, when I started making the three-dimensional objects, it was, it was pretty exciting, because it was, you know, it had to do with, with what I was concentrating on, but it was um, something something new and different and, uh, you know, brought up new questions. And um, um, For the longest time, I, I wouldn't say that I made sculptures. I, I'd say that I made three-dimensional objects. And uh, I even now I consider myself still a painter, um, even though... Uh, like for example, the the show in Peoria that opens this week, it's all three dimensional objects. Um, but uh, I I think what you're leaning towards here is um, the three dimensional objects. That's you know coming coming from a painting background. I uh, not to say that I didn't study three dimensional people or, or sculptors. Or anything, but my focus was definitely on painting. So I didn't, you know, if I had the choice to study or to, to check out a book from a library on a painter or a sculptor, I would I would you know look at a, a painter. So in the beginning, um, I guess I didn't really know what I could do with sculpture and or three dimensional objects or, or where I could take it. And uh, you know, I, I had some people telling me that that I should look at all these sculptors and stuff, and I had some people saying, "No, don't look at them at all because, <laughs> you know, what you're doing is uh, it feels more fresh than than maybe what you could be doing if you were getting these ideas from from people who have sort of gone down this path and stuff." So, um, so I, I think in the beginning of that, I, I you know I looked at some people who are doing similar things, and now I look at a lot more. Um, another big challenge is, and even still to this day, is, um, you know, paintings go on a wall. So <laughs> a, a lot of my three-dimensional things um, do rely on the wall a little bit, and uh, I think that's definitely one of the challenges that um, I'm, I'm trying to address going forward. Sure, sure. Well, and, and I was just going to say in general, too, any um, offended sculptors uh, that might be listening or will, will listen to this podcast eventually, I would encourage you to friend Tim Roby and write a lot of harassing kind of comments about him because <laughs> it sounds like he really, really prefers painting there. But um, no, and you know, I think that I think that makes sense. Um, and I think even just in kind of following it up, I mean, um, you know, something that I hadn't really been familiar with until maybe I don't know. I can't remember when that exhibition that you had where you, you know, got to go travel some, I don't even, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember seeing, you know, some of those installation um, sure. pieces and I was just kind of, I don't know, it, it made, it made a lot of sense, but um, what was, what was the uh, a start of that? How did that, how did that come about? And I guess at the same time, if you could throw in very quickly, cause I don't want to, I don't want to run it too long, Tim, but how, sure. how you managed to get to Buffalo too. <laughs> in there. Okay. So, uh, a lot of questions in there. So, um, well, my to finish my life story, because um, we have one more. In, you know, my life story has to be five minutes. It can't be four minutes. So, right. at the end of grad school, I stayed around in Minneapolis for I guess it was about a year or a year and a half or something like that. Um, I did a couple residencies. I did one at Oxbow in Michigan, and then I did another one called the Black Lock Nature Society in, uh, it was up on Lake Superior in Minnesota. Um, so, uh, yeah, I hung around and did those, and then, um, I was, uh, I was looking to go back to Chicago, but I couldn't find a job, so I was looking around. I was, I was working at the Science Museum in Minnesota for a while, and uh, there was a job posting for a preparator position in Buffalo that I applied for and got, and I, um, my now wife, Rebecca, and I moved out there, and uh, we lived there for about two and a half years. I just moved back to Chicago a couple months ago. 
uh, Rebecca will be joining me in Chicago in, in uh, about another month or two. So that's my whole life story. But um, <laughs> uh, so some of the – what are you asking? About, we're, we're, uh, I was just curious where the installations started cropping oh, up. installations. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, the, the installation aspect of it came almost right away. You know, I was, I was making those three-dimensional objects, and by the time my, my thesis show came by, I, I didn't have a ton of three-dimensional objects, but, um, you know, I had a, a few wall-based um, sculptural objects, and, and I had some floor-based ones. And um, um, uh, another one of the challenges of, of making paintings and, and sculptures at the same time is trying to figure out what works best as a painting and what works best as a three-dimensional object. So um, I would I would make them side by side, uh, and they didn't particularly relate to each other. But uh, you know, I just as I would make a, one painting after another, you know, I, I'd make a painting and a sculpture at the same time, or, or you know. So nothing uh, really spectacular about that. But so when it came time for my thesis show, uh, well, actually, uh, we have we have thesis reviews there in December. Thesis thesis shows were in April. So I had my my committee review that basically they vote whether you get to even write your thesis paper and have a thesis show. I, I started playing around with these three dimensional objects, and my committee and I were were talking about. Um, you know how they function together. If they function together, um, what what direction I should go in? What was strongest? What was working? What wasn't? And stuff. So, um, you know, it was all pretty new, and I was trying to pull it all together. But um, um, even then, my goal was eventually, and it, it still kind of is, is, is to have a show where the where paintings and three dimensional objects all work together as, as one full installation. I guess I don't really feel like, um, you know, it's it's a little fuzzy of a statement, but I, I don't know that anything that I've done has been a, a complete full installation in the in the sense that like you take one object out and the, the show falls apart or, or, you know, one piece is relying on, on another. And that's sort of a, eventually my goal. Um, um, I guess in the, the process of the work that I've done, um, uh, I had a show at a, a place called the Olean Public Library, and uh, it's in the, the southern tier of, of New York, down below Buffalo. Um, I had a solo show a couple years ago where um, it was the first time that I had really used um, uh, things that weren't uh, fully constructed as, as far as, uh, you know, the, the little clean sculptures that I make. Um, and, for example, I, I had some found wood objects. I had a sculpture made out of two-by-fours, and I had one sculpture made out of... Uh, stacked cardboard boxes um, directly following that or I guess it was about uh, a year later um, I was asked by John the curator at Hall Walls to um, he had seen pictures of that show and liked the way that I use raw materials and um, um, there's a previous show at Hall Walls that they built a, a temporary video screening room and he had the idea of instead of just taking down the room and throwing it away, uh, that an artist could come in and, and use those materials to build something for the next exhibit. So he asked me to come in, and um, I, I made a show basically out of uh, leftover 2x4 studs and drywall. Um, uh, you know, I had a couple months to plan for it, so I made a couple of sculptural elements that would aid um, the leftover materials and and I think for me for me that was um, uh, a really good learning experience that you know it's totally different from the way I work I, I, I really like to plan things and um, have things set out and have plenty of time to work and everything and you know have a backup plan and, and know what I'm gonna be doing with this I really just had one shot where I took apart this room, and if I didn't take it apart the right way, 
um, it might not be what I want it to be and stuff. So, um, uh, that, in a sense, leads a little bit into the, the show in Peoria. Uh, Bill Conger, who you know from earlier Studio Break podcasts, uh, is organizing or at least organized this show and, and we were talking the other day after I set up the show about um, you know there there are a lot of raw materials and um, you know for a lot of it you only get one shot you know you have to know how it's going to work and how each element is going to function um, because you know with found objects it's you know of course you can find other things that may go in its place but all right, so the pressure's on. We've we've had two two Skype malfunctions, um, so we don't know how much time we have left here, Tim. So, um, just a couple of things that I want to hint at before we get to the fun stuff. So, um, right. one one of my questions that we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, um, you know, some of your process in terms of the the painting and that kind of stuff, um, and then now with the installation in terms of kind of figuring out how to utilize the space and you know having a plan and kind of formulating that. Um, is there, is there any kind of like just research or, um, things that are kind of, I don't know, maybe a little bit more secondary that kind of help influence that aside from what you've already talked about? Um, nothing very special. I mean, you know, I, I try and look at art magazines to a certain extent, not going crazy or anything. Uh, I try and read, um, about, you know, topics that are relevant to the, the issues I'm dealing with in my work and stuff. But, um, um, you know, I don't, I don't take a ton of pictures or anything. I, I like to rely more on my memory mm-hmm. to bring things back. Cause I, uh, uh, I, I, basically I, I think my work is more interesting when I'm, when I'm trying to remember the things that I see. And, you know, that also relates to the viewer seeing what I'm, trying to remember and, uh, you know, using their own memories and stuff. So, um, yeah, so not a, not a ton of research. Well, and, and to kind of follow up on that, something that, you know, you talked a little bit about before, you know, not wanting to kind of give it away, um, you know, directly like everything. Um, yeah. so, I mean, is that really kind of what you're after in terms of then when people see it? I mean, just to kind of, you know, f- kind of try to piece it together from what they know. Um, yeah, I'm interested in, uh, what people bring to the, to my work, you know, that everyone has their own life experiences and memories and stuff. And, um, in grad school, I did a little research based on, um, uh, I think it was like Freud and Jung who've written things about like, you know, knowing is, is, uh, or meaning is projected from knowing and, um, people's personal experiences sort of explain what they know. So, um, and you know, how memory is faulty and stuff like that. So I like to think of, um, of, of the objects and images in my work is the viewer sort of searching through their memories or, you know, like you wake up from a dream and, um, you're trying to remember what exactly happened. So you're trying to piece together all this information and, um, um, you know, it's almost as simple as I, I just enjoy people bringing in their own stories and, and creating their own conclusions um, with what I'm presenting to them. You know, I'm, I'm giving people just a little bit of information and, and letting the viewer uh, fill on the rest. Right, right. Um, well, and again, just got a couple more things um, that, that will lead into our really lighthearted stuff. Um, sure. But, um, and, and this is going to kind of jump a little bit, but, um, in terms of just art, you know, you were talking about some, you know, things that you're kind of looking at and checking out of there. Is there anything that, that pops out in your, in your mind of, uh, I don't know, an exhibition that you might've seen, you know, in the, the, the recent, I guess, you know, history of Tim Roby that, that made you go, damn, I gotta get, I gotta get in the studio again. Um... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, uh, the exhibition that, that definitely sticks out to me is, uh, uh, the Richard Tuttle exhibition that was at the MCA a few years ago. I went back and saw it twice and I'd always been a big fan of his work, but, 
Uh, you know, I'm seeing pieces here and there, but the whole show is just, it was, it was really great. Um, and I, I think I'm similar to a lot of people is, you know, you see stuff at a gallery or a museum or whatever, and it either totally depresses you because it's either so good or so bad <laughs> that you don't want to ever make work again, or you want to immediately go home and, and either make something better than what you just saw or, um, try and make something as good as you just saw. And, uh, uh, yeah, tangents everywhere, but uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, and obviously you talked about Gustin and some of the other, your other influences and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily just keep banging on about that, but, um, sure. You know, in terms of kind of relating it then to all of your all of the things that you've kind of gathered and learned, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I've been rephrasing this question about you know if you would kind of ask other people or kind of push others into art making, but I've kind of changed it up a little bit in terms of then you know if you had kind of advice to kind of give anybody that you know that was interested in in, in terms of pursuing art, what what would it be? You know, uh, my advice. Um... I, you know, I, I think art is a lot about persistence and learning and hard work. Um, I, I thought maybe you were going to say skateboarding or something. Skateboarding? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I think part of me is an artist is, is just because I'm, too dumb to know what else to do <laughs> and uh i mean I, I really like making things so you know it's i think the two things tied together uh, um there's really no other choice and, right, uh, right you know I, I think like a lot of people too um i often think about maybe i should just stop making art because it's you know almost what's the point, but I realize that there is a point and stuff, and, um, you know, it's, uh, being an artist is tough, I, uh, you know, I was just thinking the other day, it's, I you know, it's weird to even call yourself an artist, because I don't even know what that means, and especially when people you don't know ask what you do, or who you are, and to answer, to say you're an artist, and, and what that means, is just, that's, that, that's a whole no, topic. yeah. Um, so yeah. my advice is, uh, um, you know, I, I can't remember if it was one of the Studio Break podcasts or not, but be prepared to hang out by yourself with a bunch of paint and wood and stuff, uh, and and work hard and uh, I guess believe in what you're doing to some extent, even though. I know a lot of people hearing me say that would be like, what are you talking about? Because, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I call, well, right now, since my wife lives in Buffalo, I call her all the time and I'm like, what am I doing? Is this, is this total crap and stuff? And, you know, I have some friends in Minnesota that we talk all the time and, I, you know, I, every time I'm working on a show, I'm like, oh, I don't know. This is, I think what I'm doing this time is, it's crazy. It just doesn't make sense. But they're always like, "Oh, you know, you always say that, and it turns out okay." So, sure. Well, and and I think you know, again, I mean, there's partially that impotent, impotent, gosh, impotence, <laughs> impotence. I was going to say, gosh, um, yes, that might need to be edited. But maybe I'll just <laughs> maybe I'll just leave it in there for a good laugh for folks. Um, yeah. But I, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I think partially, just in terms of even thinking about doing this podcast, I mean, partially, I was really interested in the idea of you know, what it means to be somebody with, um, I guess a lot of training for a job that the world doesn't necessarily see as very important. And, you know, in a way it's like a dreamer's job, you know, um, to, to, to just kind of make things. And so when, when we're in a time where there's things slowly, progressively getting a little bit better, um, you know, it's, it's rough, man. Cause you gotta, you gotta wake up and justify like, you know, not, not only, well, I mean, obviously you go to work and all that, but when you come home and you, or, or you've got like eight hours in the weekend that you're going to pack into a studio when you've got all these, all these pieces hanging around in bedrooms yeah. and in closets, you start wondering like, 
Well, Jesus, yeah. how many how many awesome paintings do I have to make before I have like a really hot show of them, or something of that nature? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know, there's there's tough times, but there's also really good times, and um, I guess I, I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't believe in it. You know, believe that that art was something that is a positive thing in the world. Um, so yeah, I keep doing it. You know, sometimes I just want to quit and sit on my couch and watch hockey all the time or something <laughs> or go ride my bike around. But, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I got to make something and, right. uh, hopefully people like looking at it sometimes. And obviously hockey sounds like it's a, it's a distraction for you a little bit, but, um, what what also what else what else could you find obviously that kind of you know um, gets in, in in there in terms of that and I think specifically I was going towards music because I know that music is something that you're you're super into so maybe maybe it should be like a condensed like Tim what are like who are five bands that people should be listening to right now if they haven't been oh for real yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right the five. The five bands that I well I don't know if you should listen to them I, I listen to bad music I guess but uh, I'm not gonna say all time or what you should be listening to I'm gonna say what I'm listening to right now is I gotta count this in my hand so I can get five I've been listening to a lot of Mastodon uh, Drag the River uh, Lucero this guy from uh, Minneapolis his, his name is Pos and I need one more. Um, I don't know. I you know to be honest, I put my iPod on shuffle a lot because it's pretty cool. Because you get your own little personal radio station. Sure. And um, uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to listen to a full album of of somebody or, or something. So I, I put it on shuffle, and um, you know, see, I named four bands and. <laughs> Three of them are totally different. There's like a swamp metal band. That's Mastodon. Uh, you know, I'm going to sound white when I say this. There's a hip hop artist named P.O.S. <laughs> and uh, two sort of country right, right. people. So I like different things. But, sure. you know, in the end, they probably all sound the same. I mean... Uh, am I rambling too much already? No, Sorry. no. I think I think you're fine. Although I would, I w you so, could. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in music and art and maybe in life, uh, I like. You know, I don't like things that are too polished and refined and stuff. And I think that's what I mean. I I guess Mastodon can be a little refined. You know, they're they're really really good musicians, uh, really tight and stuff. But um, you know, something that's not overproduced, something that has uh, you know, I hate to say feeling in it, but has you know you could you can actually feel something in it, uh, like Ario Speedwagon. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and and again, I think I think that I think that that's some some interesting stuff there, and and I don't know, that's why I should start getting you to figure out the musical aspect of this this program. Oh yeah, I'll do it. Um, the, 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 I'll, the, I'll tell you what, you know, it's going to sound very silly because I don't know what I'm going to wind up coming up with for you, but I know it'll. I usually try to find something that I, that I, that I can base off of some piece of an interview or some character trait that I ascribe to somebody. So when I finish up here, I'm going to go to uh, uh, the Free Music Archive site and look up uh, construction under track headings and, and see what I get. Yeah, you know, speaking about research, I've been trying to figure out if there's, like, construction research theory and something involved with art. You might want to edit this out, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should have a part two where I don't ramble. Well, you know, I think everybody feels like that, and if it makes you feel any better, I, 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 I've listened to a handful of these, but if I listened to every one of them, I'd probably get very upset with how I sound, so... I, th I think that's perfectly fine, but um, sweet. Do, do we have a quick second to give a shout out for uh, the Peoria Art Guild show I have opening on Saturday? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. Yes. Just, just so if you could kind of talk a bit, a little bit about that. I think there's um, 
there's this there's this guy with uh, kind of graying hair, I believe, that also <laughs> has a, an exhibition with you. And a um, beard. Oh, really? So, yeah. give us the skinny, Tim. All right. So on Saturday, uh, the I think it's the eleventh <laughs> um, in Peoria, Illinois, which. I know it's a little far from most of the Chicago listeners of this podcast, but uh, the Peoria Art Guild that, uh, like I mentioned, Bill Conger is at least temporarily um, um, doing a little bit of the programming of, uh, asked Mike Willie to be the main show in the, the big, nice upstairs gallery that's just been renovated. And uh, downstairs there's... Um, I like to call it the project space. I don't know if anybody else likes to call it that, but uh, it, it's a nice space. It's uh, the, the ceilings are a little bit lower, and I, I know when Bill approached me, uh, they were looking for someone that that tied in well with with Mike's paintings that you know would complement each other and, and not detract. And I know he was mentioning that uh, the the space wasn't necessarily the the perfect environment for for three dimensional or for two dimensional work. So. Um, yeah, so I made a bunch of three-dimensional things. Um, I'm pretty excited about them. I made them all. Let's see. I got back to Chicago on November 7th, and that day Bill called me and asked me if I was interested in this. So I made all the work. Uh, actually, between, say, mid-December and last Thursday when I packed everything up, and I installed it on Saturday, so it's all real fresh. Um, um, like I said, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it's I, I feel like it's a little bit different. Um, it's more... I, I, I hate to say found objects because that sounds... Like you'll piss off a lot of people that use found objects? No, um, because... I don't, maybe it's my preconceived notion about found objects, but... Uh, um, there's things that I piece together. We'll put it that way. Um, I spent a lot of time at the hardware store, walking around and uh, looking at pieces of wood. And I, I think the employees at Home Depot think I'm crazy. Um, but I like it. So um, yeah, if you're around Saturday, I think five to eight, maybe Peoria Peoria Art Guild, uh, Mike Willie and. Me, my my show is. I think his is called Looping, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, my show is called This Land Is Your Land. And I have about six pieces, and uh, and they're all for sale, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't what? <laughs> oh my god. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, you can buy them. But... Well, everybody, you should you should at least come down and and uh, and and decide if you can kind of coax them into to, to selling something. So. Oh, I'll sell you it. <laughs> put it that's that's all i'm saying i hear you i hear you um all right you know and and you know obviously i'm going so um it'll be fun to see the work in person but uh again thanks for the uh the the late evening uh uh chat session yeah yeah thank you dave uh sorry for rambling (laughs) we could we could talk more like uh yeah all right bye everybody Thanks again to Tim for joining us at Studio Break. You can find out more about him and his work by visiting timroby.com. Another reminder goes out for those of you interested in checking out Tim's show in person. You can go to the Peoria Arts Guild and again, Michael Willie also having a show opening at the same night this Saturday, the 11th. So please check that out. As always, please remember to become a fan of Studio Break on Facebook. And also, if any of you haven't taken notice, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just check out Studio Break on iTunes, and you can subscribe there and get all of your updates that way. Please remember to leave some feedback for us at the iTunes store as well as studiobreak.com. And remember, old episodes and images of artists along with their links and website information can be found at studiobreak.com. Lastly, our music today was brought to you by freemusicarchive.org and the artist The Woolen Men. we got the songs Donkey Island and Still Running leading us out. And thus we've arrived at the end of the show, so again, thanks for listening. Please, please, give me some feedback, give me some hollers. We'll talk to you real soon.